Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 23A of N, Networking Intro. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials written by Bart Bouchatz over at bartb.ie slash ttt. This originally aired as part of NoSilicast episode 494, hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Allison Sheridan, host of the NoSilicast podcast, and the other voice you're about to hear is Bart Bouchatz of bartb.ie. I have, I've done 22 of these so far, this is the 23rd. And they uh-huh. usually take me about four hours to write. There wow. is about 12 hours to get it to the stage it's at now. Oh, geez. Because this isn't a two-hour uh, session, is it? No. What a bit, what, most of that 12 hours, it took me, you know, an hour or two to get it all written down, and it was huge. The rest of the time has been refining it to get it to exactly as little as it can be, but no less than it needs to be. Okay. And all we right, have a bit of a starter's it. dilemma here. Because hmm. to understand the big picture of networking... You have to understand the detail. And to understand the detail, you have to understand the big picture. <laughs> so you start in the middle and just squirt out either end? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the big picture with the caveat that it's probably not going to make perfect sense, but hopefully the gist of it will sink in. And then okay. we're going to go through the detail, constantly referring back to the big picture. And hopefully that will sort of bulk it out to the point that when we're finished, it'll all make sense. So you can do the broad brush strokes, and then when you fill in the details, it'll make more sense. Yes. So, and I, I think I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about this actually for two weeks on how best to, to start this topic, and I've decided that the way my lecturer taught me back in Manus University is probably the right way, and this is how he did it. And it's so good for me. So I'm hoping. Good. Good. I don't quite understand how networking, what networking has to do with the terminal, but I suspect that by the end of this, I will. Well. <laughs> networking has the same to do with the terminal as file systems do. It is something with which there are many terminal commands to interact with. Okay. And our home our home computer experience is very networked. We were you know how how much you do that's totally local these days. Not much. Mm. <laughs> right? So that means that the Well, the podcast, is, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, but the network is about as important to us as our hard drives these days. So therefore, understanding how it, you know, debugging network problems is something we all unfortunately have to do, and the terminal can be a superb help at demystifying what on earth is going on in that little grey cable. And so that, <laughs> okay. that, that's the point of this, or even worse, in those airwaves you can't even see. Uh, so let's, let us kick into this with, with that caveat in mind. So, you know, expect to be confused, it's okay. Okay. And the good news is that if we'd been doing this 20 years ago, you'd be even more confused, <laughs> right? We have the luxury that we as a planet have decided on one network stack. We have decided that the TCP IP networking stack is the networking stack we will use. That wasn't true when I was at university. Apple was using their own entirely separate system called Apple Talk. Digital Electronics I remember Corporation. Apple Talk. Yeah. Digital Electronics Corporation had something called DeckNet. Microsoft were using a combination of NetBIOS and its sort of shinier friend NetBuey. And you had all of these competing protocols all trying to mush through the same wires. It was a mess. And trying to understand how the network worked meant understanding all of those complications. Well, thank goodness we live in a world where TCP IP won. And the only thing we have to worry about is how TCP IP works. Still kind of complicated, but it's all TCP IP, so that is the king. And TCP IP has actually been around for a staggeringly long time. It it used to have a different name. It used to be called ARPANET. I remember that. That was f- from DARPA? 
Well, see, back then it was called ARPA. It didn't get the D until later. <laughs> okay. And ARPANET went live in 1969. Wow. Now, that long heritage is very much a mixed blessing. So on the one hand, the rough edges have been knocked off this stuff. The bugs have been beaten out to a very, 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 very high degree, which is good. You know, long life is good for getting shaking out problems. The problem is, when they were designing it, no one really thought it would take off to anything near the extent it did take off. I mean, they, I don't think any of the designers imagined that we would have a phone, a tablet, a laptop, and a desktop computer that all be on the network together and just <laughs> billion, billions of devices around the planet. I don't think anyone conceived of that or that we would do commerce on this stuff. And therefore, no one really thought about security. It was all about making it go because the problem was so big, getting it to work at all was a miracle. And security is an afterthought, which means we have retrofitted it and we spent decades trying to bolt it on. But bolted on security is never quite as good as security you built in from the start. And so the price we pay for this very stable, you know, well-established protocol is that the security aspect's a little bit shaky. And we kind of know that from how many years now of uh, security light? <laughs> we had a little bit of that. Yeah, we had a little bit of that. I think so, that's come up. Yeah. So, that, you know, that's the pros and the cons. So... Big picture-wise, there's a few principles we need to beat in. So the real genius they had at, Ar- at, at, at ARPA was basically before, before they had this brainwave, everyone thought of computer networks like a telephone system, that when two computers wanted to talk to each other, you should have some sort of exchange, and they should be then connected directly together like two people on a telephone. And that so would be dr- really Like difficult. a direct point-to-point connection. Yeah. That would have okay. been really difficult. And the guys in ARPA went, no, 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 no. You take the data you want to send, you smash it into teeny tiny little pieces, and you send each piece one by one and let each piece fight for itself and it'll make it its way to the other end, then you can put it back together when you're finished. <laughs> okay. Right? And that, the name they come up with that is called a packet-switched network. So that's the jargon for how TCP works. But basically, you don't try to send a file. You try to send a small piece of data. And if you can solve that problem, then the next problem is putting it, is breaking it apart and putting it together. And so by breaking big data into little pieces, they made it possible to do this at all. And so the network works in packets. They are like the atom of the internet is the packet. The other thing to say is that TCP IP is a best effort protocol. <laughs> right? What? It sounds as bad as it is. A router is entirely free to throw away a packet. If a router is too busy, 10 packets come in, it only has room for 8, 2 of them go away. It gets to decide. Perfectly acceptable within the protocol. So it's best really? effort. We'll try to deliver your data, but it may not get there. So that's okay if you've got, like, video. Ah, but we see. But we if I'm sending... This. So hopefully the, the, the magic of it will become clear in, in a minute. But yes, you're right. Oh. The entire internet, every packet that exists on the internet can be thrown away at any time, and that is true. And despite the fact that that's true, I can send you a file and know you get it perfectly. Okay. That's the magic of it, right? That is right. IP packets can vanish into the ether, if you'll excuse the terrible pun. And despite that fact, we have managed to make it possible to reliably send information. It's magic. It is kind of magic. Uh, the other thing to say is that TCP IP is a strictly layered stack of protocols, and the layering is very strict. So it's one builds on the other, builds on the other, builds on the other, and the only communication between the, between the protocols is to adjacent protocols. You can't skip. 
So Ethernet talks to IP, IP talks to TCP, TCP talks to TLS, TLS talks to HTTP. And you can go the other way, HTTP to TLS to TCP, da 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 da. You can never skip. HTTP can never talk to Ethernet. Okay. You That's what they mean by layered? Yes. You always talk to the person you're adjacent to in the stack. Always. Okay. Uh, now, there's more than four protocols in the stack, but it is very, very useful to think of that whole stack of protocols as being four groups of protocols. And we call those groups the network abstraction layers. And the, anyway, abstraction okay. is the key word, right? This is a really, really useful abstraction, but it is an abstraction. And so we've broken the problem into four groups. We have the link layer set of problems to be solved. We have the internet layer set of problems to be solved, the transport layer set of problems to be solved, and the application layer set of problems to be solved. And that kind of is how it works. If we're to the part where I'm supposed to be confused, then mm-hmm. good. I'm keeping up. <laughs> okay, at the moment, okay. these are just some vague facts I've thrown out, right? Good. Okay. So let's dig in a little deeper. And we're going to start our digging in. Like, what does abstraction mean? It means it's a, it's a way of thinking about it rather than a physical thing. Okay. So when we describe a hard disk as being a bunch of files, that's an abstraction because it's actually a bunch of little magnetic things with ones or zeros. So anyway, so we think about the network as being these four layers that are stacked on top of each other and information moves between those layers, but they can never skip a layer, just like you can't skip a protocol. So at the very, 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 very bottom of the pile, the most fundamental problem to be solved is getting some ones and zeros from one computer to another computer that's physically connected in some way. And that's that's where we start. That is the bottom layer, and that is called the link layer. So just, are we talking to each other? Yeah. And in fact, the link layer just promises to try to deliver a single packet between two computers on the same network. Hmm. That's all it, that's the, that is the problem it solves, and it does nothing more. And the hmm. whole point of these layers is that each of them solves a problem and nothing more. And so the layers above can assume the problem below is solved. And they don't care how, they just know it has been solved. And that frees those layers up not to care. And because this okay. is such a giant problem, this ability to segment the problem so that every layer is looking after its own part of the problem makes it possible. It just wouldn't be possible otherwise. So within our houses, within our home networks, there is one protocol that sits down there in that link layer that is absolute king of the roost, and that protocol is Ethernet. So Ethernet is an abstraction layer above? Ethernet is a protocol inside layer one. Oh, inside the link layer. Yes. It's not the only thing in the link layer, but it is in the link layer, and it is what makes our networks go within our houses. And Ethernet is actually an abstraction in itself, because there isn't one Ethernet, right? So the Ethernet protocol can operate over pieces of copper, twisted together, put inside some shielding, and put with the, I think it's an RJ45 jack on the end. And everyone calls that an Ethernet cable. It's actually a patch cable, because Ethernet doesn't only go over cables. Ethernet flies through the air, too. Wi-Fi is Ethernet. What? Wi-Fi and copper are both implementations of the Ethernet protocol. Oh, so that's why you say it's a patch cable that carries Ethernet or a Wi-Fi router that carries Ethernet? Exactly, because that same patch cable could carry a phone signal. I hate knowing stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that makes me go, well, 
actually. <laughs> you know, it is. you turn into that annoying it nerd ball. Better, I still call them Ethernet cables at work. Although, actually, no, we call them Cat5 or Cat6. But it doesn't matter. So the, the whole point is that the link layer is worrying about just getting one packet, one itty-bitty packet from one computer, from one device to another device that's connected to it either in some sort of way, be that through radio waves, through electrical signals in copper, through a fiber optic cable with light shooting up and down it. It's just worrying about getting one piece of information through one connection. That's all it's worrying about. And there's loads to worry about in that, and we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about that as we go through the series, but that's actually quite a difficult problem. Okay. So within our houses, Ethernet does that magic for us. And Ethernet, by the way, in case you're curious, Ethernet talks to MAC addresses. So at the Ethernet level, your computer has a MAC address, and your other computer has a MAC address. And as far as Ethernet is concerned, that's the only identifier in the world that exists. Ethernet talks MAC address to MAC address. The rest doesn't exist as far as little old Ethernet okay. is concerned. Now, and, our, and MAC address is that, that hardwired code that every um, network adapter has. So our phones correct. have those, our... Well, heck, our microwaves probably have by now, but everything has one, right? Everything that can talk Ethernet, i.e. everything okay. that can talk Wi-Fi or everything that you can shove an Ethernet cable into, has a MAC address. Everything. Okay. And they're different. So your computer has a different MAC, has two MAC addresses. If it has a, an Ethernet jack and a Wi-Fi card, the Wi-Fi card will have one MAC address, the Ethernet jack will have another MAC address. And Ethernet just sends one packet of information from one MAC address to another MAC address. That's all it knows how to do. Our home routers actually also can talk Ethernet, because otherwise we couldn't talk to the internet. But our home routers can talk more layer one protocols. ISDN is a layer one protocol. It gets one piece of information from one side of some sort of physical thing to the other. ADSL is layer one. Your cable modem is layer one. Okay. So problem to be solved with layer one is just one packet from one side of a, of a network to another. And it doesn't matter whether it's an Ethernet network, whether it's ISDN, whether it's ADSL, whether it's fiber optic, a layer one problem get one packet from one side to the other. And that's all layer one does. Now, that's great within your LAN, but uh, we don't want to stay within our LAN, right? We want to go... <laughs> Can we go outside? There. Yeah. <laughs> so the next problem to be solved is getting one packet, and we're still talking one packet, from... Any device in one network to any device in any other network connected to it in any way, no matter how indirectly. Okay. And that's the internet layer. So that's layer two. These are well named. They are well named. So link layer, internet layer is next. Now, if you take one network and you connect it to another network, the name for that is an internetwork. And a who? An internetwork is internetwork network okay. of networks called an internet work. And that's almost always abbreviated to internet. Oh, okay. Now, there is an internet as a concept. I can sit here in my house with some cables and some routers, and I can build myself three networks that talk to each other. I have built an internet with a lowercase i. The internet is exactly the same concept, but we as a planet have decided that's the one. So, that's interesting. I've heard that called intranet. Yeah, that's an intranet is an internet. The internet is an internet. Say that one more time. Okay, so an intranet is is an internet because it has multiple networks connected together. Anything that has multiple networks connected together is an internet with a lowercase i. The internet is just 
The connection okay. of networks we as a planet have decided is the one we will use to communicate with each other. We had to pick one, right? Otherwise, we couldn't talk to right, each other. Right. It's just int- the one. intranet. Intranet is not a real word. In official, it kind of is. it's more of a no. It's 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 convenience buzzword. I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. All right. So, in the internet is like the moon. There are other moons, but only one of them gets a capital M. <laughs> there are other internets, but only one of them gets a capital I. Okay. So if you're talking about the internet as in that thing which all of us use to talk to each other, capital I. And it is actually important if you're being pedantic. So capital I. <laughs> well, actually, exactly. it's a capital I. <laughs> so it's okay m- because autocorrect fixes that for me because I never capitalize it. It always changes it. <laughs> so I'm always correct. Excellent. Unless you're trying to talk about an internet that's not the internet, and then you're wrong. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often in the real world. Anyway, so... The real magic of this layer is connecting two networks together. And you bridge networks with something called a router. And a router is just a device, some sort of computing device, that has two network connections. One in network number one, and one in network number two. It might have three. It could actually have any amount, but it has to be an amount two or greater. And then it's a router. And okay. it can ha- So it can talk layer one inside each of those three networks, and so it can act as a bridge to lift a layer one packet from one, and drop it into the other. So our home routers speak at least two layer one languages. They all speak Ethernet, because all of us have Ethernet on the inside. But then they speak one other language to allow them to talk to the outside of the world. So if you have a cable modem, it speaks cable modem language. Now, I went to look to see which language cable modems speak. There's about 50 to choose from, so I'm going to leave it at cable modem language. <laughs> Okay. Or if you're unfortunate enough, you live further away, maybe your, your, your router speaks Ethernet on the inside and ISDN on the outside. Maybe it speaks ADSL. The point is your router can speak two different layer one languages and it can send packets from one to the other. So when you're talking to me now over Skype, our little packet is being, Ethernet gets it as far as my router. Then in my case, a cable modem gets it as far as my ISP. Goodness knows what gets it across the Atlantic. Probably if I were up the cable. So that's a different uh-huh. layer one yet again. Eventually it makes its way to your router, probably over a cable modem, back to Ethernet and finally into your computer. So lots that's of different amazing. layer ones. Lots and lots of different layer ones can be used for one little packet. And that's again the magic. So the really, really hard job that layer two, the internet layer has, is figuring out how to connect point A to point B. Because each router has multiple possible paths to send a packet down. Okay, it comes in from the inside. Our home routers actually have a really easy job. Is it for the internet? Then it goes that way. Otherwise, it doesn't. But the router in your ISP probably has five, six, ten, twenty possible that ways. And that connects to another router, which might have another... 10 or 20 possible that ways. And yet somehow, despite the fact that all these networks are meshed together by 20 kabillion connections, there too can figure out how to route the packet. The fact that we solve this as computer scientists continues to amaze me. It should be one of the wonders (laughs) of the digital world. Like, it is such a big problem to solve, and we solved it. That is amazing. I mean, I I, I personally think the transatlantic cable is... Amazing from a from another point of view. From an engineering right. point of view, the transatlantic cable is stunning, and actually, they all come up in Ireland because we're first. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, seriously, there is lots of really important cables come up here. The first ever one that worked came up in the south of Ireland. Huh. Anyway, that's a <laughs> bit of trivia. 
So there's only one protocol that rules the roost at Layer 2, and that protocol is the IP protocol, or the Internet Protocol. That's actually what IP stands for. And the IP protocol is responsible for getting one packet from one device to any other device, and the way IP knows what device is which is by their IP address. Right. So MAC address is a Layer 1 concept. IP address is a Layer 2 concept. Ah, okay. And so if you imagine a little packet going from me to you, it has one MAC address while it's inside your network. It has a different MAC address as it goes to another router, a different MAC address again as it goes to another router, a different MAC address again when it gets onto your network. But the IP addresses involved are the same. Don't change over that whole travel. Right, 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 right. Okay. Now, we should also note, just put a pin on it, and we're not going to talk about it today, but IP is actually... A slightly complex beast because it has little sub-protocols. Um, I'm only going to really going to mention two. There's one of them that allows you to do something called multicast. So in theory, normally it's one packet goes to one, you know, one source, one destination. But with multicast, you can have one source and many destinations, and that's really important for streaming. That's the IP protocol that manages that magic too. The other bit of magic it manages is um, the well, it's the little protocol called IGMP, but its most useful feature is ping. <laughs> Okay. Right? And we'll, we'll talk about ping later, but that's also something the IP protocol does for us. Okay. So the IP protocol gets one packet from one computer to another computer anywhere else on the internet. Pretty magical so far. But it's one packet. And it's the IP layer that's very prone to throwing packets away. Oh, right, right, right. So what makes that not just fail completely? That's where layer three comes in. Layer three yeah. is the transport layer. And what layer three does is, it, it, using it as its basis this lossy way of sending stuff, it tries to assert order. And the problem is even worse than you think, because yes, we can lose packets. But not only can we lose them, they can get reordered, because each packet is independent. And usually your ISP has multiple options. And so it might say, oh, that pipe's congested, you're going left. Oh, that pipe's freed up, you're going right. And those two U's were part of the same giant big file. So when they arrive on the other end, one of them might be there before the other. So you sent one, two, three, four, and they might arrive three, two, one. And one of them could just be gone. So the order is completely unreliable, and a whole bunch of them might be missing. (laughs) Okay, this shouldn't work. Right, the transport layer sits on top of this chaos that is the IP layer, and asserts order. And there's two protocols that do this for us. There's TCP and UDP. We're going to start... I've never understood these. Oh, good, good. We're going to start <laughs> with the easiest one, which is UDP. So UDP says, yeah, I don't care about stuff going missing. I'm just going to get the order right and leave it at that. Okay. So what UDP does is it takes as its input a stream of data. It chops it into packets and it says to IP, send that over, send that over, send that over. And the UDP on the other end gets the packets and anyone that arrives out of order, it just throws away. And anyone that oh. arrives, it doesn't care. How does it know if it's out of order? Because if it got it out of order. Numbers. So UDP sticks, so oh. the input UDP sticks a sequence number on them, and the output okay. UDP reads the sequence numbers and goes, no, you're in the wrong order. <laughs> Gone. And it gives okay. the, it gives whatever past, whatever it's passing the information to, be it Skype or whatever, it gives it the imperfect stream of data and says it's all in the right order. It's probably missing bits though. <laughs> okay. But that's fine for streaming. Right, right. And the advantage, UDP has two big advantages. It's really efficient in terms of, it's a simple protocol, so there's not much CPU needed, there's not much RAM needed. It's just easy. 
And the other advantage it has is it's quick. There's no waiting for stragglers. If stuff arrives out of order, it may as well never have arrived. And so UDP can just hand the data to the app really, really quickly. Here you go. Here you go. Got this. Got this. Got this. And ah. so we can have a conversation in with only a few hundred milliseconds of lag between you and me. Right. And that's the worst lag I've, I experience is from me all the way to you. Considering there's an Atlantic Ocean between us. <laughs> a pond, as it were. Yeah, a pretty substantial bit of pondage there. Um, it's right, quite right. impressive. Yeah. And so, yeah, UDP loses packets all over the place. But it doesn't matter because what you want, so if you're, if what matters to you is low latency and you don't care about, if, about accuracy, UDP is your friend. Now, another way UDP is your friend is if you're doing something over and over and over and over and over again, and you just don't have the resources to do something that takes a lot of RAM, a lot of CPU. And that's why DNS is done over UDP, because it, the DNS root servers handle like a kabillion requests at once. And for them to do a difficult sort of a, a full TCP setup would mean we'd need to like replace them with servers 100 times as powerful or more. And so D DNS is done over UDP because UDP is simplistic. Okay. So let's move on now to TCP, which is, which is really the workhorse of the internet. TCP manages to iron over the fact that IP jumbles up our packets and throws some of them away. And the way TCP does this is through the, the very sensible use of buffers. So the sending TCP implementation keeps a copy of everything it sent. It just keeps a buffer of everything it sent already and holds on to it for a while. The receiving guy gets the packets, they have sequence numbers, and it also has a buffer, and it starts to assemble the pieces. And so if part four arrives first, we put it in position four. Oh, next one we get a six. We'll put it in six. Oh, five is still missing. No worries. Wait, wait, wait. UDP already threw away anything that was out of order. How did it end up out of order still? Okay, so a packet travels either over UDP or over TCP. TCP does not stack on UDP. So UDP sits over IP. Oh, it's one or the other. Yeah. So UDP sits over IP or TCP sits over IP. What's making the decision which way my packet goes? Uh, Whoever further up the chain said, I'd like to talk to that computer over there. So when I connect into Skype, Skype is saying use UDP? Yes. Somewhere in ah. Skype there's a C code that says, I want to talk UDP to that guy. But if I'm putting an Excel spreadsheet into Dropbox, it's probably going over TCP? Oh, most certainly, because Dropbox... Because every yeah. you don't want to have just little mistakes. Correct. So Dropbox uses HTTP, HTTP uses TCP, TCP ah. uses IP, then ah. we go. Okay, so HTTP is always TCP. TCP. Yes. Most okay. things are always TCP. Because most things we actually care that the stuff that comes out is exactly the same as the stuff that went in. Okay. Okay. So TCP is straight over IP. So the sending TCP side is keeping this little buffer of everything it's sent. And the receiving side is reconstructing that buffer as the packets come in. And if they come out of order, it doesn't matter because it just fills them in in whatever order they come in. But it, it has a timeout. And if it hasn't seen a packet for X amount of time, it assumes the worst. The packet might arrive later, but it'll just be ignored. It assumes that it was destroyed, and it sends a notice to the sender saying, give me number four again, please. And because the sender kept the buffer, it has number four, and it whooshes it back through the internet and hopes for the best. <laughs> and the two of them chatter over and back. Yeah, I've got everything as far as eight. Great, I can throw everything as far as eight out of my buffer. 
Ooh, you're missing 13. Here's 13 again. Great. I'm now up to 20. Great. Everything less than 20 out of my buffer. And the two of them just negotiate over and back, describing their buffers to each other and resending whatever has to be resent. Now, that's pretty cool. The actual intricacies of that chatting over and back, as I call it, are an entire undergraduate course. But the point is, by keeping the two buffers and by sending negotiation packets over and back, they can do this magic. And it works. Right, so that, that's layer three done. So our, our, our little, you know, layer one was get one poor innocent little packet from one computer to another one that's connected to the same network. Layer two, get that little packet from one computer anywhere on the internet to another computer anywhere on the internet. And the layer three was get a coherent flow of data from one computer to another computer. I love that I understand UDP and TCP. I, I remember in the old days when my son wanted me to open ports for his uh, games, mm-hmm. and I had to know whether it's UDP or TCP. I'm like, I don't know. I'll put it in both. I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So there are two protocols, and then Apple use one or the other. And the other thing, actually, you've mentioned port numbers there. So Ethernet, so layer one is MAC addresses, layer two is IP addresses, and layer three is IP address plus port. So if you want to start a TCP connection, you need to have a source IP address, a source port, a destination IP address, and a destination port. They are the ingredients for talking TCP. Or you. Okay. I believe you. So the final layer then sits on top of all of this. And really, those bottom three layers together, you can look at those as infrastructure. They are the infrastructure upon which we have built the actual things we want to do. And so the last layer is called the application layer, and that's also very well named because that's where all of our apps sit. Okay. Apps is kind of a broad word. So email sits in layer four, but it's not a piece of, it's not one thing in layer four. Email is the sum total of the SMTP protocol, which sits on top of TCP, which sits on top of, you get the idea, and Mm -hmm. IMAP, which sits on top of TCP all the way down, and POP, which sits on top of TCP and all the way down. Okay. The web, when we're browsing the internet, that's HTTP on top of TCP on top of IP all the way down, or HTTP on top of TLS on top of TCP, if we want HTTPS. Okay. And then all the way down. And so the stuff we want to get done sits in the application layer. FTP is in the application layer. DNS is in the application layer. So by by application, you don't mean uh, mail.app? No, you, you mean TC, or SMTP and IMAP and POP and HTTPS? Those are all things that live in the application layer. Yes. So the protocols okay. that make our apps go live in the application layer. So they are okay. applications of TCP or UDP, okay. if you want to think of it that way. And that is our full stack. So huh. each layer is solving a different problem, building on, and every layer knows that what's below it has taken care of all of those problems. So it's free to solve a bigger problem. So IP doesn't worry about voltages or currents or <laughs> frequencies. It's free not to care because it knows that layer one has its back. Layer three doesn't worry about the practicalities of getting a packet over and back. It just assumes that the IP layer knows how to do that. And hmm. then HTTP doesn't have to care about any of that. It just knows that I want a TCP connection from here to here. I shove data in one end, it pops out the other. I'm happy. I didn't know any of this. Not one little bit of this before you started explaining it. Oh, good. So, I think I had said that this was going to be a long one, and uh, we've just had a little look at this thing called the clock. (laughs) (laughs) And so, my show notes continue, uh, and we'll pick up from here next time. 
But how we're going to pick up from here is by doing all that again through a worked example. And we're basically going to, what we're actually going to do is what happens when I type something into my URL bar in Safari or whatever you like and hit enter. So we could think of this segment was the lecture and we get to have the lab next time? Mm, all right. Well, <laughs> slightly lavish. Actually, yes, there are two terminal commands in the next bit. So yes, we'll call it a lab. <laughs> oh, just two terminal commands. Okay. <laughs> it's a sneak peek, right? Because there are two terminal commands that we're going to be revisiting because they're really cool terminal commands. Um, but that, yeah, that's, okay. that's basically where we're going with it. To try reinforce what we've said today, we're going to do it again in a practical way. And then after that, we're going to start at layer one and work our way up, looking at the actual terminal commands. Because there are terminal commands to interact with MAC addresses. There are terminal commands to interact with IP addresses. There's terminal commands to look at what's going on at TCP IP level. And there's terminal Mm. commands to interact with DNS and HTTP. And so we're going to, so we're basically going to go through it three times. So we've done it now once, purely theoretical. Then we're going to do our worked example. What happens when I get a web page? And then we're going to do it again, but looking in detail at every step and all the cool, cool. terminal commands that hide within those steps. Cool. But you can see why I said this might take a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is, this is interesting stuff, though. I like understanding the structure behind it and then maybe getting into some more practical examples of why I would care. You see, and if you don't understand the big picture, the little picture isn't sensible. Yeah. I hope you do give us, you'll give us a quick overview of what the four layers are before we start next time, right? Because right now it's super fresh in my brain, but I know in two weeks I'm going to go, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember UDP came up. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Bart. This is cool. Can't wait to hear the next one. Well, you're going to have to. Until then, (laughs) happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>